Welcome to the STEM Everyday Podcast. Each episode features educators sharing their practical ideas to put more science, technology, engineering, and math into every classroom every day. For show notes and more information, visit dailystem.com. Here's your host, Chris Woods. Well, I'm so excited that today we get to chat with Paul Shercliffe. He is a jack-of-all-trades STEM and makerspace teacher. I'm so excited that uh, we get to chat with Paul and, and He's just this wealth of information. If you could imagine like the ultimate STEM makerspace educator for your school, that is Paul. Welcome to the show today, Paul. Thanks for having me, Chris. It's great to be here with you. It's great to be, I've been in person with you at some conferences in the past yeah. and chatting with you. Uh, it's a pretty big uh, intro to live up to with some of the people that are <laughs> out there. Yeah. That are bigger than me. But, but, you know, um, one of the things that just always impressed me about Paul, uh, and again, you can find out more information about him at paulshercliffe.org or at shirky17 on Twitter. And of course, those are in the show notes as well. But what impresses me most about you, Paul, is, is you're not just one of those people that knows a little bit about, you know, coding, or you're not just an expert in one thing. You really do know, like, all the different types of things that we're adding into STEM and makerspaces right now. And if anybody's ever got a question... Like, I always say, oh, Paul probably knows the answer to this. Paul probably knows the, the best spot to find a great resource for that. Or definitely if you got questions, uh, make sure that you look up Paul because uh, he's, he's got the, a lot of great answers. But tell us a little bit of how, how you got into education, but then we're going to just dive into some great questions that I know educators are really wondering about. How do they do STEM and makerspace and stuff in their school? But how'd you, how'd you get into STEM and making and education, Paul? I actually started uh, my college life out as a computer science engineer Yeah, and finished it up becoming a nuclear engineer. Wow. And I played in, played in nuclear engineering out at nuclear plants for about three years. Um, then some things in life happened, brought me back home. Look back upon it, I'd actually always been a teacher. Yeah. I you know, tutoring my classmates in chemistry class when they didn't understand what was going on. I tutored kids in college. The kids called me up the night before a final, like, we don't know any of this stuff. Can you teach? Yeah, come on over. Um, <laughs> so I'd always been kind of doing that. So then I went back, got my master's in education, started at a community college, but it was great there because it was the beginning of the internet. And I could, I was mm-hmm. like, oh my God, I can read all these magazines online for free. I can research yeah. all this for free. I can design this, create this. Um, and then I moved to high school because that's what I wanted to be, because I had started coaching when I was 18, and I loved coaching kids. Yeah. So it's kind of the same thing, coaching and teaching. It is. So it I just is. came from that background. It's really the, 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 the same. Um, so I, I wanted those uh, activities, the, the, the involvement more in life. And so I spent about 22 years in the classroom, mostly physics and geometry. Like most teachers, I started out very traditional. Mm-hmm. Textbook, chapter, end of chapter tests, end of chapter homework. And that just didn't work. After a couple of years of starting to read and research and listen to podcasts and read books, it's like, yeah, this isn't the right way to, to learn and do school. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a drastic shift. It was the more working my way up a continuum of teaching and how, to, how people learn and do better with that. But it was a pretty quickly to progressive of, yeah, there should be no homework. We shouldn't be doing tests. We should get rid of finals. What do you mean good multiple choice tests? There's no such thing. Uh, to, to more practical experiences. You know, being in science, it was easy to do labs. I mean, that was always, oh, yeah. you know, that, yeah, so we're doing labs, we're doing experiments. But to get more of it into that, 
Um, instead of just, uh, you know, hey, do a week of the chapter and then do one lab for the topic. Right. You know, that, that was traditional. Then those are cookie cutter labs. But it quickly became, yeah, I'm not going to tell you really anything. And here's the, la- here's the experiment we got to play with. Yeah. And, you know, then they would go at it. And so that was better for learning, I found out quickly. And, you know, the assessment was, you know, tell me about it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. have discussions, have conversations with the kids. And then even the past, you know, the last few years, it became even more uh, maker oriented. Mm-hmm. We started to learn about the when, right around the time that name started coming out. My classroom was a maker space. Yeah. I had tool, you know, drawers full of tools and cabinets full of art supplies. And kids are wondering why the physics teacher has three different kinds of paint and straws <laughs> and, and uh, pipe cleaners. It's like, yeah, I don't know what the kids are going to need to build and make with. Exactly. And, and, but that was what the, you know, learned. So, I mean, that was what I liked. That was the fun part. And then I just, you know, got to the point in a school system that I was just so progressive trying to get conversations to happen. I couldn't get conversations to happen. Yeah. You know, after 15 years in one system, I was just, I got to leave. I just can't, I just can't do this anymore. And uh, so I played around and walked around the world kind of thing. Not so much the world. Uh, visited <laughs> places, talked to a lot of people, conferences. And, came, you know, I really want to help people implement, integrate more maker-centered learning into uh, the lessons, into the school, transcurricular, project-based, that that's the best way for us to learn. And I, I want to figure out a way to help people do that. Yeah. And again, that's a lot of what, uh, Paul, you've been doing uh, these past uh, number of years that I've, I've known you, met you on Twitter as, as a lot of educators connect with those people that, that, that really resonate with the different ideas that they're sharing. And I just value those, those thoughts, Paul, because you looked at school not from an administrator or, or an educator's perspective. You looked at it from that kid's perspective. You said, I'm a kid I want to learn something, how best am I going to learn it? And, and I think to some extent, that's, that's maybe a little bit of what, what is missing when we, when we do that planning in, in education. Exactly. It's, I hate that schools are thought of as places for teaching. Mm-hmm. They should be places of learning. Yeah. And the teacher should be doing just as much learning. And that's one of the great things of maker-centered learning is that the teacher is doing a lot of the learning. It's not just the kids. And the teacher's learning from the kids. The kids learning from the teachers. Kids learning from kids. Uh, we're getting at, you know, you bring in experts or people from the community to help. Uh, you know, everyone's always talked about bringing in guest speakers. <laughs> but it doesn't happen that often. How about bringing in guest makers? Yeah. Wish I could have made something happen one one year that I came up with the idea was to bring in um, ice sculptors. Oh, wow. Yeah. In, in, the, in the parking lot for kids to see and talk and, and, sh- and explore. Yeah. Um, unfortunately is that fe- one of those Februarys where we had, you know, 40 degrees. Um, <laughs> Cause yeah, it's like, can, why can we be more of that? I mean, I love, I, I got to bring a balloonist uh, to school one year and mm-hmm. they were there for half the morning. And so we could all, kids could just come out and talk to them and see them because they never, you know, when did kids ever get up close to a balloon? I mean, they see them up in the sky. Right. Yeah. You know, so now we can talk in physics about 
da 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 da. You know what yeah. what topics we got buoyancy, we got the heat, we got tra- heat transfer. You know geometry. What do you, what's the shape of the bloom? What's the best? Shape? I mean, you've got all these. You know the literature uh, around the world in eighty days. What, what's yeah. you've got all these connections. You make history. You know when did the balloons start? Where, where balloons were used in war? You, I mean, that's what I, that's the other thing I love about Maker is that it's such a transcurricular topic mm-hmm. that if you open your mind enough, just like STEM mm-hmm. and daily STEM, yep. you got to open your mind, you got to open the vision and you can see that it's all together tied there. It's just the problem with schools is we've made silos yep. and we've made people fiefdoms that they're in control of <laughs> yeah and they don't they don't want to broach the fiefdoms yeah yeah uh, it's, it's good good definitely because we have to think differently um especially i mean even look right now when education is is changing uh now there's all of a sudden remote learning and distance learning and and new challenges that we face inside of our classrooms and in our schools and and all these new problems are also arising because a lot of them are based on these these models of education that we've followed for so many years. And, you know, maybe one of the great parts that's going to come out of all this is that, that education will change uh, for the better for, for kids. We keep hoping that, but the system was designed like 130 years ago. Yeah. And we have not changed. The problem is, is not one thing that needs changed. Yeah. It's seven or eight. Yeah. Instead and of like a, tweaking around the edges... Yeah. Yeah, it, it can't happen. You can't tweak because that's what we've done. We've tweaked. We've changed starting times at a school. And they come back and said, well, nothing great occurred because of that. So we're not going to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. We've changed a grading system. Well, we don't see any great thing that happens. So we're going to go back to the old grading system. It, we, we, we do that little tweaking where it's really seven or eight things that need to be changed all at once mm-hmm. to new things, to new paradigms, to new structures. Yeah. And then things will happen. It, it, you're, we're trying to tweak an obsolete system. And if, if the system's obsolete, tweaking it, it just makes it a prettier yeah. obsolete system. Right. Um, in, in, in nuclear physics, you'd call it critical mass. Okay. If you just have a little bit of plutonium or uranium, nothing's happening. Okay. <laughs> you've got to get enough. You've got to have a critical mass for a chain reaction to occur. Gotcha. Or I was just trying to think of if we had just kept, you know, tweaking around the edges, you know, horses and buggies um, instead of, you know, switching to an automobile. Yeah, we'd still be all in our really fancy horses and buggies right now. So Yeah, well, it's uh, the famous quote by Henry Ford. If, if I listened to my customers, they just wanted a faster horse. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, so I think this is the perfect time uh, and a perfect episode just to really just questions to ask Paul. Uh, again, find out more about Paul at paulshercliffe.org or at shirky17 on Twitter. Definitely a great follow there. And, and definitely somebody, if you got a question, even like you mentioned, your friends in college were asking you questions even, even back then. You're, you're, just a, you're just an answerer and, and it's great. Uh, so what if a teacher or administrator asked you, Paul, what's a makerspace? What, how would you describe that? Lots of different ways to, to look at it. A makerspace, the best makerspace is the one between the ears. Yeah. It's it's the mind. It's the it's the mindset. The best makerspace is the maker mindset. Mm-hmm. Where the makerspace I want to happen in education is the whole campus. 
I want that whole place to be considered a makerspace, not just one room, mm -hmm. not just one section. I want the outdoors. I want the parking lot. I want the woods next door. You got an abandoned building next door. I want that. I mean, that's makerspace is just a place where we uh, allow kids to unleash their inner creative genius. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, and I, and I love it every time, every time I've heard Paul speak at a conference, he always says that that makerspace is between the ears and, and such an important uh, concept for all of us because we do, we get, we get focused on it's being a space instead of like you said, Paul, it's that mindset. So what if a teacher or administrator asked you, how do we start a makerspace or that maker mindset? We'll even modify it a little bit. Well, teachers need coaching. Yep. They've been, they've been in a certain paradigm and a certain mindset mm -hmm. and they need some coaching in order to get up, to get out of it. Yeah. Uh, now some teachers can do their own coaching. I mean, like you and I and other people on Twitter, we're doing our own coaching. We're, we're learning from all these people around the world about ideas and we're talking to them, having conversations. We're listening to podcasts. We're reading books. We're reading blogs. Mm -hmm. We're doing our own, but not everybody does that. Not everybody learns that way. Mm -hmm. Some need a direct one-on-one. -on -one or one on a couple, they kind of might need a partner with them. So, so they need coaching in how to tweak their mindset a little by little. Because like I said, even I didn't shift, jump to this overnight. Right. It's not I mean, a snap of fingers thing and all yeah. of a sudden our school is perfect at having makerspaces. Yeah, it's a continuum. It's a progression. And even when you get a makerspace, mm -hmm. air quotes there, yep. um, <laughs> it, it changes yeah. every year, every day. Um, so first, we, we got to understand that it's going to take coaching. Mm -hmm. um, now, how you decide to do the coaching, you know, every, every district's going to do it differently. Mm -hmm. And that's the part I'm having trouble finding is that I'd love to come be an educational coach for, you know, a group of teachers uh -huh. and help them, you know, meet with them, you know, half a dozen times a year to, to get them to move a little by little. Because, you know, one day PDs we know do, doesn't get much change. Right. You get some, uh, some momentum, you get some, oh, wow, this is great. We're going to do this. And then every day kind of overwhelms it you yeah. need to need, we need to come back to it in in a, in a month or so mm -hmm. okay remember that stuff you tried a month ago okay how'd it go how'd you do okay let's let's keep it going let's keep the momentum you kind of kind of need that yep. so you know having having that that coaching is really important i love that there is a a foundation near me in akron ohio that they they tweaked their educator grants that at least 50 percent for an educator grant had to be for professional development Mm. they got tired of seeing stuff on shelves. Yeah, because I think a lot of us think that that's all it takes to start a makerspace. You go, you buy the cool robots, you buy the cool tools. Now we have the makerspace. Perfect. And, and you and I love, love tools. We love yeah. toys. We love, yeah. I mean, you know, I love all that stuff. I mean, I spent so much of my money on just toys and to toys and geeky stuff to just play with and put out in the class, let the kids play with, but it, you don't have to have that. I mean, like you, you know, cardboard is a great maker material. Mm -hmm. There's tons of things we can make out of cardboard that, that kids can do things with. Mm -hmm. um, it, but it's, you know, creating the mindset of what can I let the kids design and create that will help them learn what mm -hmm. we want them to learn or that will help them show, demonstrate mastery of what we want them to learn. That's important because if all it is is just kids making something for the sake of making something, that's, that's missing out on that important aspect. We need to be teaching that curriculum, that content, but how do we do it through the making? 
Right. I had one uh, teacher one time tell me I was at a conference and said, yeah, we're going to start this project-based learning thing. And I guess it's a great project. We're going to do this, this, and this, and this worksheet, and this lesson, and this video, and this. And at the end, we're going to make this. Uh-huh. I'm like, <laughs> it's never going to happen. You're never going to make that. You're going to say you're out of time. Yeah. You've got to start with the making. Yeah. And then you work through all the content. You know, that's, that's the thing. That's the difference about maker-centered learning. Every teacher right now is actually doing some kind of maker in their classroom. Mm-hmm. Thing is, it's not at the center. It's, it's not the focus of the learning. It's kind of ancillary. It's kind of, you know, a little bit of, around there. And so they don't really see it as maker. But if you focus on the maker aspect, the, the, the artifact that you're making, you then weave in the content. Right is what happens. If you focus on the maker, all the content comes and fills around it. Yep. But if you focus on the content, the maker is like just an add-on. Yep. If you even get to it. Yeah. It's just that, that little project that we add on at the end to say, oh, look, we had the kids make a project. Now we can take a picture of it or put it in the hallway and stuff. It's, it really didn't maybe advance the learning. It shows us we can make something with glue stick and, and popsicle sticks. Yeah. I mean, I, I, and it, you don't get to that right away. Again, you need coaching mm-hmm. to get to that point of focusing on the maker and weaving in. Mm-hmm. Learning is all about conversations and discussions. Yeah. It's not about lecture. It's not about you telling something. Um, and that's been a problem with education. I mean, I, I loved, you know, in my last couple of years in, in the classroom, I love stuff that, you know, we got to talk about, we got to, kids are supposed to learn Newton's laws in physics mm-hmm. and, you know, speed, velocity, all that, mo- all that motion stuff. And it was, um, here's stuff to build a mousetrap car. Mm-hmm. It's got to go seven meters. Mm-hmm. Go for it. Then I can have conversations once they, okay, how do we build? How do we put this together? How do we, okay, now, how do you know? Well, you got to measure, don't you? Okay. Well, how fast did it go? Who's want the fastest? Yeah. It, so I, I didn't preload any of that stuff. That was all questions and the, that came after and discussion. Well, how did it start? How's it run on? Why is it run on floor? Why is it, how's it run on carpet? It, it's the questions that, that they now get at newton's laws yeah why is it stopping why is it slowing down why is mm-hmm. it going why is it not going straight oh. um yeah and every in, in every kid because they're building something they're putting themselves into it right so they're coming at it from their point of view mm-hmm. so their brain is already open maker kind of opens up the brain it activates both sides and it creates a bridge between both sides mm-hmm. So now we got both of them going. So now conversations can happen. And the conversations can start with, they start differently with each yeah, kid. They do. Which, it, which it, a lot of it is, it's based on whatever their pre-knowledge is, their, their prior knowledge. Um, and, and again, I think a lot about what you were saying, Paul, right there about just, just saying, okay, here's something and, and figure out a way to make it. Uh, that's a lot of what, what industry uh, and innovators in, in business face all the time. They're not, they're not given all the requirements and stuff. They're just saying, hey, let's make this. And then you start figuring out, okay, what's, what's the ways to do it? What do we have to think about? How do we prepare for, how do we fix the problems and iterate and, and all those things? Um, and that's, the, that's where the teacher expert has to come, comes in and every kid needs different help. Yeah, yeah. We know that every kid needs different feedback. We know this, yet we ignore that in the traditional system. Yeah. We give every kid the exact same thing. Yeah. And uh, I remember uh, one time I was getting a, a evaluated and they, they were knocking me down for not going and helping this one girl on something. Mm-hmm. I was like, she doesn't want help. 
she asked a question. I answered the question. She wants to figure it out. Did you notice I came back to her afterwards to double check that she got it because she wants to figure it out. Now, another kid, I'd have to give, you know, completely different feedback. Uh, And that amazes me that feedback is like the most important thing in learning. And were you taught feedback in your gen ed classes? I I can't remember a lot about feedback, except for (laughs) feedback is put it, put an A or an E or a smiley face on the page, right? Yeah. I mean, and when, when I started talking, and it wasn't in mine, we never learned about it. Hmm. Um, about how to get feedback, what's good high quality feedback. It finally dawned on me like halfway through my career and started reading about it. And I brought it up to the math department. They're like, well, we circle where the, which, which problem is wrong. Yeah. Like, that's not feedback. No. Um, and it just, you know, you finally learn that like you have, every kid needs different feedback. I there's, there's, you know, these two kids, they did the exact same things wrong. One kid, I can tell them five different things that they need to fix. Yep. And they will go, they will do it because I want them to fix it and bring it back and, you know, the iteration kind of thing. Yep, exactly. Um, not, you know, and then we'll, then we'll look at it. And, you know, it wasn't done for a grade. It was, it was done practice and learning and they will go and fix it. Yep. If I tell this other kid the exact same five, they did the same things wrong, let's say. And I tell the, the, this other kid five things to fix. They went back to the desk and did absolutely nothing. Cause they got lost right between my conversation with them and then going back to their seat, it got lost. Yeah. So you have to learn your kids. Yeah, you do. That's a kid. I have to tell one thing to mm-hmm. here's one thing you need, need to go fix. They go, them can then come back yep. cause it's not everything. So yeah. they go and they do that cause they can, they can. So it's God, we got to learn how to do feedback. Well, thanks for listening to part one of the interview with Paul Shercliffe. You're going to be amazed by uh, even more great ideas coming up in part two. And again, thanks for listening to this episode of STEM Everyday Podcast. If you subscribe on iTunes, you're going to find out about all these other great episodes, including part two of our interview with Paul Shercliffe. Remember, find him at paulshercliffe.org and keep up the great work, educators.